This is a Bulldog Radio Podcast. Perfect. Season 2, Episode 18 of the MVSP. As always, folks, welcome to the studio. My name is Joe Nagy, joined by my amazing co-host, Brandon Worth. Brandon, it's a beautiful day outside, kind of warm for November, but we won't we won't be mad at it. Yeah, we keep talking about the weather in the introduction because it's so nice outside, we can't. Like, literally, I'm in a long sleeve and a jacket with sweatpants. Feels so comfortable. It's like 60 outside, but face the facts. We're going to have to absorb this weather while we have yeah. it because sooner or later... Warm, warm Novembers usually mean ridiculously snowy and very cold Decembers. Indeed. We're going to have to be scraping off our windows it's not gonna oh be boy great. let's not talk it's about not it. gonna it's be great but we'll hop right into it today folks we got some uh, nfl football to review some college football to review and as always the masters and joe's fact of the day so brandon last friday we kind of went over it with uh mics and takes over on their show i didn't have the greatest weekend of predictions you did all right brandon but we'll kind of start off with the packers and 49ers kind of went how both of us i think thought it was going to go packers would uh, go up 34 17 what were your thoughts on it yeah, I think the the Packers just showed that they're they're the team to beat right now in the NFC North. They're playing really good football. And, I mean, the 49ers crew, everybody knows this is not the same team. And, literally, they didn't have anybody on the field against the Packers that played in the NFC Championship game. If, if you saw the ESPN Snapchat, it's just like it's a whole new look for San Francisco. It's like everybody who's out. And it's like everybody from the Super Bowl team was just like yep. out. And it's like... It was a thing where it was like uh, San Francisco was basically just using my players at this point, and it was like two guys on <laughs> the sideline who looked exactly the same, except one guy just had a mustache. Yeah, literally, it was, it was wild. No Moster, no Ayuk. Bless you, man. Excuse me. I'm sorry. Um, no Moster, no Ayuk, no Garoppolo, no Kittle. Literally, all of your key players just not on the field. It was, mm-hmm. it was just a field day for Aaron Rodgers in that offense. I mean, the defense for San Francisco. Didn't, they didn't play terrible, per no. se. I mean, the Packers' offense, you're going to allow some scores. And, I mean, Aaron Rodgers was just Aaron Rodgers, 25-31, 305, four TDs. Absolutely phenomenal. Aaron Jones did not have to do much at all. They just threw all over him. The offense, Nick Mullins really couldn't get it going. And it was just a, it was just a good win for Green Bay. This is a big win for them, especially coming off the loss to the Vikings now, who have – definitely definitely improved over the last oh, yeah. couple of weeks and we'll talk about that later but if you're in san francisco right now you're four and five i mean obviously there's still hope for the playoffs with that glorious seventh seed added to this 2020 season but there's still question marks can you keep your guys healthy is really the number one thing right now mm-hmm. and i think a lot of people were they the the deal they made in the offseason with deforest buckner sending him to indianapolis which was a great move for indianapolis and right now Eric Armstead really hasn't been that guy compared to it. He's been on and off the field. He really hasn't been to the same level as DeForest Buckner has, for say. It's just been it's just been a little bit tough for them. I mean, he wasn't in this game, and they're hopefully getting him back on the field soon. I mean, you get you lost Bosa already. Thomas is out too. If you're 49ers right now, if you can pull off a play a playoff berth with how this team is just completely banged up this season that's going to be a really big testament to the coaching staff yeah you just kind of to be honest they just kind of have to not throw it out the window but they just kind of have to keep their heads held high through the losses that they're obviously going to have because already four and five 
most likely a lot of your starters aren't going to be back. And even so, if you get some back, I don't think that's going to make a huge difference because you're going to have guys who didn't get as much playing time who might not be as comfortable on the field with them. So I don't. I think the best case scenario is maybe going 500. I don't. I don't know if they'll probably make a playoff berth. They'll probably be lucky, like you said, with the seventh seed being added. Maybe they'll get there. But I mean, to go back to the Packers, they played really well. I always love seeing Malik Taylor on the on the scorecard because isn't it always fun? It's just great to see that he's getting more touches and that he's kind of becoming a uh, asset that the Packers like to have on their team. But I mean. Like you said, Brandon, Aaron Rodgers absolutely dealed. He played really well, good. And it, um, Nick Mullins played as good as you can expect when you're playing against the uh, Green Bay and the great Aaron Rodgers. I mean, one TD, one interception, especially t- having to play get behind Jimmy Garoppolo for so long, that's mm-hmm. just something that, I mean, he's just doing the best as expected. Yeah, and shout out to Richie James, really, for being basically the offense for San Francisco in that game. I mean, he was pretty phenomenal. I mean, really, his first true start. And do you see the numbers he put up? They're pretty crazy. <laughs> I mean, the dude, the dude was balling. I don't know. He just decided, yeah, I'm going to get 184 yards in this game. No big deal. But, I mean, he was great. He literally out, pretty much out yardage on Devontae Adams. I mean, he had 184 yards. Devontae only had 173. Obviously, Devontae had one more catch in TD. But still, I mean, San Fran... They have a lot of hope now with Richie James, especially with um, Brandon Ayuk not playing. And you got other guys like Kittle, who's really your mm-hmm. main guy in the passing game, believe it or not. But he's just been they, – they have a lot of weapons, and it's really just getting them all on the field at one time, and they can use yeah. uh, they can use Ayuk. And, I mean, losing a guy like Sanders, Richie James can be that guy. I mean, he's had 13 targets in this game. They obviously – Nick Mullins either really, really likes him or – Kyle Shanahan and the offense coordinator really like him, so yeah. it'll be interesting to find out. But moving on, we're going to have to talk about it. Can't escape it forever. Detroit falling to the Vikings 34-20 on Sunday. Both teams now at 3-5 and five on the season. And, I mean, analysis in this game, they just completely demolished us Trash. in the trenches. It was, it was pitiful. I mean, I literally said on Friday, if you guys checked on mics and takes, I mean, it was going to have to be, we're going to have to stop that. We're going to have to stop Dalvin Cook if we want a chance to win this game. And with the offensive, with the defensive line we've had, we're, we've done okay. But, I mean, that Vikings offensive line has really improved. And Delvin, oh, yeah. Delvin Cook just had a field day. I mean, it was pretty much a replay of Aaron Jones against us early in the year. But Delvin Cook, 256 combined yards on 24 touches, two touchdowns. Dude was flat out amazing. I mean, he's been carrying that team really a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of the Vikings fans have been saying, "Man, how is he not in, in on injury report for his shoulders carrying this team so far?" But Kirk Cousins didn't have to do that much, and when he doesn't have to do that much, the Vikings are in much better shape. But Stafford did not look great. No. Obviously, in on the COVID list, didn't practice most of the week, and he just and then to make matters worse, after the two interceptions and the struggling offense getting pounded out of the game with a shoulder, mm-hmm. and then having to put Chase Daniel in. Chase Daniel did as good as you probably expected. With the game, you're already down. Literal, you're literally already down how many yeah. points, and you have to come in the game. And he, got, he ended up getting a touchdown, which is nice. He did throw an interception, which, yeah, whatever. You were, throwing that, you were throwing every single down at that point to try to get back in the game. But it was good to see, though, DeAndre Swift had more touches than Adrian Peterson. I'm, I'm, Finally. Little, I'm very happy about that. He did very – honestly, he did pretty good. 13 of 64. He was pretty good in space. Got the ball in the passing game as well. Three catches, 33 yards. Uh, 
it was just kind of crazy. And I think the number one thing coming into this game for Detroit fans is who's going to be that guy now that Galladay is going to pretty much be out for a little while. And we all thought it was really going to be Marvin Jones or even Quintez Cephas, who was a big factor in week one, had 10 targets. But today, the 10 target man, was, or yesterday, the 10 target man was Danny Amendola, who ended up catching seven for 77. So it was just, it was just kind of a weird game, I feel like. I mean, it just seemed like our it, our defense had too many holes, and Cook just ran right through yeah. every single one of them. Secondary was just okay. I mean, and our offense didn't get going. I mean, 14 points, really, that, that can tell you the tale right there. Yeah, and I mean, even so, like, with Matthew Stafford just being out for the whole week, just having a couple days off where you're just not being able to practice and kind of hone your skills, those three days or however many days he was off, you can really tell it affected them and it affected the Lions' offense as well. I mean, we weren't able to really get anything going. And it Stafford, although... I mean, always lines aren't the greatest team, but we don't really see two interceptions from. We usually see it the other way around. Maybe one interception. Usually he's a pretty clean quarterback. But how about primetime Kirk Cousins coming in clutch? No. Three. No. <laughs> three touch. No. He went 13 for 20, two, three TDs. He had a good game. He's not he primetime Kirk Cousins. I'm always going to call him primetime Kirk Cousins. Got to get rid of that nickname somehow, man. I don't know, but I'm, I'm pretty <laughs> happy because Dalvin Cook was on my fantasy team. He basically popped true. off. So. Pretty happy with that, but as always, Detroit. I mean, they just play like Detroit. I don't. Really, hopefully, we can go 500 this year. I don't know if we will be able to. I'm already. It looks like we're going to be doing better than last year. We went like what three and 13, where we mm-hmm. won the first like we won three out of the first four games. Then we need to go on like a 12 game losing streak or something yep. like that. Yeah. Already, we're looking better. I'm mm-hmm. just going to say that we're looking better than last year already. So that's the that's one thing I can look, keep my head up for. Yeah, that is true. And I mean, next week. We have a winnable game against Washington. I mean, yeah, we lost our loss last year, but still, I mean, we have it. We should be able to win this game. We're going to be the favorites in this game at home against Washington, who have struggled. Now they're literally going to be playing um, their third-string quarterback for the year at this point. I mean, it is Alex Smith though, so I, I am kind of excited about that. But I mean, then you got Panthers, Texans. All of these games are kind of winnable games. I mean, the Panthers after yesterday almost pulling off a upset on the Chiefs that they look really good especially with CMC back but that might not be the case next week as now he's on the injury report once again so as we can actually move into that game the Kansas City 33 Carolina 31 in that game it was it was close I think a lot of people really expected a touchdown 10 point 14 point win for the Chiefs but Carolina held around especially at Arrowhead Christian McCaffrey's first game back just doing his thing. I mean, yeah, he, when, he came he came back hot. I was kind of expecting him to maybe not get as many touches. Them trying to kind of nurse him into the, into the role, so that way they don't risk anything. But he came out. I mean, eighteen carries for sixty nine yards and a touchdown. I yeah. mean, you got to be happy with that. Yeah, and ten catches and eighty two yards and touchdown. <laughs> that's great. Like first game back. That's how much Carolina Dealing. needs him. 20, Dealing. 28 touches in your first game back after a six-week absence. Even even look at just Teddy Bridgewater's performance with 36 for 49 when he just has Christian McCaffrey out there to have just another option where he doesn't have to throw just a Curtis Samuel or Robbie Henderson, and he has like a, a all-star, a, a pro bowler who's going to be out there to be able to re- reel in catches. I feel like that really does a lot for his confidence too, just kind of being able to put the ball in the air. But, I mean, it was scary. I didn't think it was going to be this close. I, I think I predicted it was going to be – like maybe a touchdown or two, but I didn't think it was going to be within two points. Yeah, and I think the third quarter was something. It was really interesting how that that changed because I mean, right after the third, right at after halftime, I mean, the Chiefs are down at this point. They're 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 losing this ball game. They're down seventeen to thirteen at the half. They come out and get a put it 
put a pretty good drive together, and then they end up missing the field goal. And then Carolina's got all the momentum, and then they miss a field goal. And then Tough. Kansas City goes back and scores two unanswered TDs, and that pretty much got them the deficit back they needed to hold on for the win. And, I mean, Joey Sly, <laughs> they literally gave him a crack at the end of the game from 67 yards. <laughs> and that scares me. If you're if you're a Carolina Isn't fan— Isn't that the—, the isn't that like the team, that, the record? That would have been the record. That would have beat Prater 64. But, I mean, that's the second time now that Joey Sly has gotten a long crack at the game winner, and he's been close. So, I mean, if that, you— That's something scary to think, that he's almost there for kicking it almost 70 yards. yards. 70 yards in the air. Woo! That's insane. Yeah, if you're Carolina, though, you should be happy. Your team's 3-6, and six, whatever. You have a new coach, a new, pretty much a new organization still since um, they got a, a pretty much a new president and owner. So they're still, and now even like Matt Rule, they got even new, a lot of new guys. Even I having mean, the new quarterback yeah, with Teddy Bridgewater. Bridgewater's that's... there, Newton's not. I mean, McCaffrey's really the only guy that's still there from their their big time team. So it's it's really just really interesting to see. And it and I mean, if you're Carolina, there's a lot of hopes. You took the Chiefs to a fourth quarter, and that's. On a really good accomplishment, unheard of, especially for how well they've played. But kudos to the Chiefs for staying eight or for staying a one-loss team. Now remain eight and one. But moving on now, Tennessee took down the Chicago Bears on Sunday, twenty-four seventeen. Thank the Lord. <laughs> it was it was a time it was time for Chicago to be put in their place. We'll be honest. Fin- finally, we're seeing the actual team that Chicago is. Yeah. Next week they're gonna be five hundred. The week after, well, I forgot who they play, but probably next week. Yeah, they play the Vikings and then the Packers. So I've they beat they could be they five beat and the, six. They beat the Vikings. Didn't they beat the Vikings already? No, they. Have. I don't think they've played the Vikings. They haven't yet. played the Vikings yet. That's that's surprising. But finally, we're being able to see what the team actual like what the actual team that Chicago is. They're not a five and one team like when they started off or undefeated team, and everyone's like, "Oh my gosh, it's a new look Chicago Bears." Like Nick Foles is going to bring this team to a playoff run into a Super Bowl run. I was like, "No, like <laughs> it's Chicago. They're not good enough to do that. They have Khalil Mack, and that's like their main guy." And I knew they weren't going to be able to beat Tennessee this week, um, especially with. Derrick Henry, I mean, he went 21-68. He didn't get a touchdown, but still having just that production that he has, being able to march down the field, get those first downs when you need him to get it, that's a big uh, kind of way off the offensive shoulders, especially when you can kind of be comfortable in those maybe third and long or third and short situations. But, I mean, Bears, they didn't play super great. Nick Foles was 36 for 52, 335 and two, uh, two TDs. And but I mean, other than that, they really didn't perform as well as they could. Yeah, and I think that's the the biggest thing that came out of this game. Nick Foles having to throw the ball fifty two times was something that we normally haven't seen from Nick Foles. I think I mean David Montgomery pretty he struggled in the backfield. He only had thirty thirty yards on fourteen carries. He was kind of kind of struggling, and there was really kind of concern if any of the backup backs were going to get anything. And I think, I mean, Mingo got one carry, and that was it, even though Montgomery was really struggling. They gave mm-hmm. it to Patterson a little bit, but Patterson was really in his normal role. I mean, four catches, three touches in the backfield. That's that's normally his thing. But, I mean, re- you got a lot of receivers there that can do some damage. Allen Robinson, Darnell Mooney is a guy that they're really excited about for the future, and I would say that's a really good st- or a really good guy to have. You got Anthony Miller, who's had eight targets on Sunday. I think that's a season high, actually. Mm-hmm. But um, Riley Ridley had two t- – two t- uh, Whoa, two catches on two targets. But, I mean, if you're the Bears, I mean, you had two lost fumbles, three fumbles total. 
it, it, you just got to hold on to the football, and, and that's that's one of the things that killed some of their drives. And it's just you, you just got to you just have to have to have to take control when you need to. And I mean, they they were pulling a comeback, seventeen points in the fourth quarter, and I mean they ha- could have had another one. It's just the first yeah. play of their drive ends up. It's, it was Anthony Miller over the middle, ball gets knocked out, and Tennessee takes over. And even though even though they couldn't do anything with it. That right there took off two, three minutes of the game clock, and that pretty much kind of ran them out of contention by the time they scored their last one. It's surprising because in every, basically almost every stat line, Chicago should have won this game. True. I mean, they had a they had a better fourth down efficiency, almost double the first downs, but it's just, I mean, I feel like those those fumbles kind of cost them the game. I mean, the one teams who have the most turnovers, they're going to be the ones that uh, – Lose the game almost 90% of the time. And, I mean, that was the same story this week. Yep. We always see in football, even though one team was winning in the stat com doesn't mean they win the game. Just It's just crazy that the Bears, we're looking at the Bears, and it's like, wait, what happened to this 5-0 and team we were talking about earlier in the season? Where where have they been? Because this is not the same team. Their offensive line Nowhere. looks bad. I mean, you can't even get 50 combined yards on the ground. Come on, man. That's bad. Come you, on, man. I mean, yeah, I think they okay, okay, sixty yards. Sorry, that's still pretty bad. I mean, Derrick Henry's literally getting that on an off game. Sixty yards on an off game. Come on, the Bears need to figure out something with that with that offensive line. Foles is getting smashed. Literally, Trubisky was getting absolutely hammered in the earlier games. Just you got to find something to do with that offensive line. You can't let your quarterbacks keep getting pressure and hit like this, and you can't get your running backs any help. It's just it's just troubling. And for Tennessee, it's a good good win, six and two now, They're moving on into the later part of the season. But um, they should be they should be in a good shape for the AFC South. It should be really interesting. Um, moving on into another AFC South matchup, Houston and Jacksonville. Kind of a weird game. I mean, it came down to the wire kind of expected i feel like with both teams going in this game one and six houston gets the win on the road by two 27 25 jake Lutton almost pulled it out there at the end it was a pretty pretty nice run there at the end of the game that spin move into the end zone but then just a i don't i wouldn't say a poorly executed two-point try but it it, it wasn't pretty i guess no. you could say i mean he threw it literally right at chark's feet behind him <laughs> It was gross, and that was just kind of a poor way to end the game because he was having a pretty decent game, especially for his first start. I mean, making that big play at the end of the game is something you can literally hang your hat on for that game. He was ended up 26-38, one TD, one pick. And that's not really that bad. I mean, that's that's a pretty standard line, I'd say, for a lot of these quarterbacks in the league. I mean, he outthrew Watson as far as yards are concerned, and he was actually a little more accurate. So, I mean, Watson was had 281, two, D, two TDs, but... No David Johnson this game. Really interesting. Duke Johnson really got the haul in this game. 16 carries to two for David, and it was something I didn't expect. But, I mean, for the Texans right now, you're trying anything because you're really trying to figure out what this team is in the future. I mean, you, you're you you're with a new head coach for now, seeing if he's going to stay for a while. I mean, you don't have Bill O'Brien anymore. You have the team he assembled still. Trying to figure that out is really what they're trying to do. I mean, they're two and six. I don't. They're obviously going to be looking at best case scenario in the playoffs, but realistically, right now, I mean, they're going to have to be playing. They're going to have to be playing Tennessee again. They're going to probably have to play these other teams that are pretty good in the AFC. So, I don't see them as a playoff team. But right now, I mean, 
they they've still played some crazy comebacks, so really anything's possible. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, it's a situation where I mean, I'm a lot of these a lot of these teams can really look forward to that seventh spot, the extra seventh spot, because it's gonna throw a honestly a pretty big wrench because these teams that kind of on the cusp of being great, that are on the cusp of maybe making the playoffs, but from these past couple years, but just have missed it. They're gonna have a brand new outlook on how the season's gonna go, and with that seventh spot, then it's gonna it's gonna create for some crazy uh, uh, end of season finishes. Yeah, for sure. Um, some other scores around the league: Pittsburgh barely escaping Dallas with a win, despite Garrett Gilbert's great game, twenty-four to nineteen. They survive. A couple of questionable calls there. D- say what you want. The result <laughs> is what say happened. What you want. So I I mean. Dallas could have possibly won that game. They were winning the game for three quarters, but Big Ben pulls it around in the end. Um, the Chargers, another controversial loss. Jeez, oh, Pete. Big sad. <laughs> I mean, they had the touchdown overturned to end the game. Vegas, I guess, bet on Vegas. They say it. Always bet it. on black, you know what I mean? <laughs> I guess. I mean, the Raiders taking home the 31-26 win. Atlanta beating Denver in that game 34-27. I got just, that. I got that one right at least. Yeah, that was a good I one. I didn't have a. I didn't have a great week of predictions on Friday, yeah. but you did this get that one, one this right. One I did get right. Yeah, one that I think we all got wrong was Buffalo beating Seattle 44-34, and I mean, I think Buffalo Barrett, didn't Barrett choose Buffalo. Travis, I believe, had Buffalo. I think we all were off. Oh besides yeah, Travis him. chose Buffalo. Yeah, good pick for Travis. I mean, 44-34, and I'll give I'll give Buffalo some credit. They came out ready to play in this game. 17 straight points to start the contest. And, I mean, really, look at the – that's – I mean, really, if you don't have that start, you're looking at a different result as far as the points are concerned. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, it was a really good performance for Buffalo. I mean, four – three touchdowns, a field goal on their force four possessions. They were ready to play, and they kept that energy. They looked really good. Russ didn't have the game he wanted, and that was – No. I mean, he was – Two a, interceptions. Yeah. That's- he, he looked like he was trying to do a lot, and I think the number one thing about that offense is they're missing Chris Carson a lot. And it really kind of – you have DJ Dallas there, yeah, but he's not the same back as Chris Carson is. Chris Carson's really your workhorse guy between the tackles on the outside. He's that characteristic Seattle running back that Pete Carroll loves. I wouldn't say he's a full Marshawn Lynch, but a very close comparison to him. So I think he's faster and more agile, and but a little less strong. But, mm-hmm. I mean, he's the guy that they like in that offense. DJ Dallas is really kind of a different scheme. Russ just – it seemed like watching the highlights, Russ really had to do a lot in this game. Yeah. It, it and was, only a 68% completion rate, so that's not really that great either. Yeah. He, that's, that's extremely uncharacteristic. Yeah, I mean, he's throwing for 390 on 41. Yeah. It, there was no run game there. Russ really felt like he had to do a lot, and he was throwing the ball a lot. When he, he had a couple, I think, I mean, that interception in the end zone, he just kind of threw it up there. He 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 was really looking to do something, and probably wasn't a great decision. But in the end, they're still six and two in good shape. Buffalo's in seven or seven and two thanks to their performance. Still no running game for yeah. Buffalo, but I don't. Yeah, figuring I don't, it out, I guess. I don't think this loss for Seattle is going to prove to be just kind of a season like changer oh, at no. all. Buffalo's because it's a, a it's a good Buffalo team, and I think that they're going to be able to come back. I I gotta check who they play next week. They play the Rams, so it's still going to be another tough game. Mm. But I think they're going to be able to bounce back, kind of figure out like, all right, we need to establish our run game this week. Figure out what we have to do because if they don't, they're going to have to face uh, a tough Rams defense with uh, Jalen Ramsey. Uh, is Clay Matthews? No, Clay Matthews isn't on the Rams anymore. I actually, I think he oh he was there, but yeah. I don't know if he's still there because he, he had a he is he's been bouncing around. Yeah. It seems like Re- regardless, report, you, so regardless, you still have Aaron Donald that you have to go against too. So yes. you're gonna have to really figure out 
if we're going to be able to establish a run game, we got to open up holes, kind of plug out Aaron Donald, figure out what we have to do. And for the Buffalo, they can really hold their heads high. They were kind of they were facing crit- critics basically a couple games ago because when they kind of went on that little bit of a downturn after that undefeated start, people were saying, all right, this team's uh, way overrated. They're not going to be able to kind of keep and up this start. we even said that. Yeah, I mean, we, I said it, you said it. I think Barrett and Travis even said it too. But, I mean, now – I'm. Josh Allen's kind of starting to silence the critics a little bit, saying, all right, it was just a little bit of a blip. I am an elite quarterback. This is an elite team. I think that they're going to be able to kind of pull it back, able to play really well next week uh, off this big win. Yeah, great win for Buffalo. They really needed that after their slow start. But another good win for Baltimore, taking down Indianapolis 24-10. to And this game looked like it was going to be pretty much a defensive slugfest for the most part. I mean, Baltimore's offense was not there in the first half. Second half change the game plan, really turn it around. They went more towards – I it really looked like they were just trying to go so far on the outside, try to utilize their speed, and Indianapolis was ready for that. Then in the second half, they changed it up, get through the zones in the middle of the field and get the, spread the ball around, get in open space, and they they really got the job done. And um, Lamar pretty much – I wouldn't say he single-handedly took over this game, but he was a big part of it. I mean, mm-hmm. he, has a, he, he had a lot of good plays. He had – 58 yards on the ground and touchdown and 170 in the air, 19 of 23. He was good. Uh, Rivers, yeah. <laughs> I mean, everybody saw the the play from that game where yeah. he fumbled. That and then he the, the tries thing, to tackle him and he just trips over himself. <laughs> that was rough. That was a rough game for Rivers. And if that game doesn't tough. describe it, I don't know what does. Tough. The thing about Rivers is like for teams that are facing against the Colts, if you can shut down his passing, and you can kind of make it so that he's a little bit uncomfortable in the pocket, it's game over because, mm-hmm. I mean, then you only have to focus on the run game because Phillip Rivers is such a pass-heavy quarterback. He did all right this week. I mean, he was he missed, what, like 17 or 18 passes. That's, a, it's, like I said, it's a little bit uncharacteristic for him, but and one interception, he didn't play the greatest, and I think that's one of the main reasons why uh, Baltimore was able to go up two touchdowns. I did ch- pick the Colts because I thought the Colts defense was going to be able to pick it up against the Ravens and kind of shut down the run game. But boy, was I wrong. I'll admit it. I mean, hey, like that that pick isn't a bad pick because really no. in the first half, Indianapolis was the better football team in the first half. Baltimore really had the defensive score, and that was really what's keeping them in it. And I think that's the the one thing that Baltimore really – Really, the staple for their team right now in their season is their ability to score on the defensive end is really what's making them that great of a team. It's made them 6-2. and two. There's been a lot of times where that offense has struggled so far, and Lamar really hasn't been MVP Lamar this season. He's not the no. same guy. He's really, but, I, I, I don't want to say fallen off, but he's kind of slowed down. Slowed yeah, down yeah, bit. yeah. We'll say slowed down. That's a fair state. I mean, I don't know if they're trying to get, it, it seems like they're running a li- lot more with him designing design-wise. I don't know if that's really... Like, he he seemed to do really well last year on, hey, nobody's open, open field, take off, do your thing. Mm-hmm. Where this year it's kind of more like, yeah, we're going to we're gonna give you the call here, yeah. and you're going to – you'd find a hole on a zone yeah. play and see it what seems, you can do. It seems – it's just a different dynamic, you know? Like, yeah. when you're when you're out there scrambling, you're you're, you're finding, the, finding the hole yourself. You're, you know where you're going to go, and, in op- and you're in open space against corners and stuff. Now he's kind of trying to run off the tackles. Now you got linebackers and even defensive line pushing him back. It makes it a lot different, and I think that's something that can change. But I mean, if you're Baltimore, you're still happy. You beat a good team. Now you're six and two. You're still chasing the Steelers, but Steelers aren't looking like the full eight. Yeah. No Steelers. That and they you got did the Patriots. Couple weeks ago. You got the Patriots next week too. So another another pretty tough game. But I think they're coming yeah. with a win. I think with that the one. Colts. 
really what's with the Colts right now is you have Phillip Rivers, yes. You have Jonathan Taylor, who's been who's kind of quoted as your guy, and now I mean he was out touched by Jordan Wilkins. It's just there's no firepower on that offense. Outside mm-hmm. there's no there's no firepower offense. Phillip Rivers, yeah, he's good. He's not he's a very good quarterback. He's not a top tier guy, he's not a Mahomes type of player, he's not a Russ type of player. But he's much better than some other guys mm-hmm. you can be like Nick Foles or a Jake Lutton, for example. You you have a much a very above average quarterback, but outside of that, your running game. Taylor was really the guy. That started now he's falling off, and now you're yeah. going to rely on Jordan Wilkins, who's good, but he's not going to give you a Derrick Henry, Dalvin Cook type of impact on the game. He's yeah, going to be more like a be two touchdowns. He's like a DeAndre yards. Swift like ceiling kind of guy. That's really yeah. where he is. And receivers wise, I mean. T.Y. Hilton not being there, I mean that's they, a that's a huge that's a huge dent yeah. in their offense. That and, they're not being able to they yeah. have to rely on Michael. They basically have to rely on Michael Pittman Jr., who's a rookie this year. Mm-hmm. Who, although he's playing very well, four receptions, fifty six yards, he hasn't been playing. I mean, he's coming off an injury too, so it's not the greatest situation for him. So he's kind of probably trying to play so that he won't be like trying to reaggravate that at all. And I mean, without T- like we said, without T.Y. Hilton, that's a big dent. Sure, I mean. I think I mean hot take. I think they should move on from T.Y. Hilton, but obviously they like him in the system still, so that's their choice, not mine. But to me, like the injuries, just kind of the stuff surrounding it, he really's been an inconsistent guy over the past couple yeah. of years. I know personally, fantasy wise, looking at some of the stats he's had over the past couple of years, it's been up and down. So I don't know who they need to target in the off season, but I think they need they need a weapon on the outside that is not T.Y. Hilton. Whether it's adding to that, that core with T.Y. Hilton or replacing him, I think they need a new guy because I think Pittman has a very good, very good ceiling. I think he's going to be a really good player. Zach Pascal, he's more of a role guy. He's not going to be the guy that's going to go out and get you 10 catches for 100 plus yards. He's going to be the guy that's a good two, three receiver you can throw in the slot and trips or Z receiver, whatever you need. He'll be, he's a good guy for that, but he's not going to be the guy that you're going to expect one on one. You're going to throw up a jump ball, and he's going to come down with it type of player. Mm-hmm. But they have a lot of good weapons. I mean, Naheem Hines is there too, and you got a plethora of tight ends that are pretty good. Trey Burton, Jack Doyle, and then Mo Alley-Cox, who's been the, the fantasy star, it seems like, over the, the beginning of the year with all of his touchdowns. But they they just need some more. I think they really do need some different receivers. I don't know if they're drafting them, but I think Pittman was a good choice if they go with another one in the next year's draft or whatever if they go in the offseason because there's probably going to be some guys available. I mean, Will Fuller is probably going to be a, a top target because I think his time in Houston is definitely waning down. But we'll just have to wait and see. Oh, yeah, you know? definitely. So, But moving on now, Miami did win over Arizona. But the one game I know we want to talk about what in the world happened to uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers last night? Uh, uh, what? Did they just forget to get off the bus, or what happened? That I team, have no clue. That team was terrible. Drew Brees kind of slung it. I'm not even gonna lie. He he took a he capitalized on this this off day for the Buccaneers defense. He went 26 32, four TDs. Uh, Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston got in there a little bit. And Jameis Winston, one for one. Good for him. Great job, Jameis. Yeah, that doesn't way, mean way you to go. go. Yeah, that doesn't way mean you go. can go up to the cameras way and wave the W like he made a <laughs> oh, yeah, he like ate the W or whatever. <laughs> yeah, against your old team. Come on, Jameis. No, Come on, Jameis. Jameis, he's just a, he just celebrating he got the W. Yeah, he was Hey, bo- hey, he this, was, a, this a W. Let's eat one. <laughs> did you see well, that him? That was such a Did you see him in the locker room? Word. He looked like he felt like he was the MVP of the game in the locker room. But probably, it's, oh my word. I don't know. It's good to see him enjoying himself, though. He's had some struggles. He's feeling himself. Past, so. But Saints, they played phenomenal. 
26 of 32 for Drew Brees, 22 for TDs. He was efficient. He was very good. I mean, he had that. I think he had that fumble, but really, that one doesn't really. Buccaneers only had eight rushing yards. Right, eight. They had eight rushing yards. Leonard Fournette had one carry. Ronald Jones had three carries. Mm-hmm. Also, when's the last time you saw Tom Brady throw with three interceptions in a game? It's a long time ago. I'll tell you that much. It was. It was an uncharacteristic night for the Buccaneers offense. And a lot of people are saying Antonio Brown's going to be there. This is going to be the game that they're the, the the piece that's needed to put him over the top after losing to the Saints earlier in the season. But, I mean, it looked bad. I mean, It was not good at it all. It was not pretty. I mean, there's still upside for Tampa Bay. This is one game. This was probably your worst game of – you're going to be your worst game of the season. I don't see – I don't – I don't know how you can get worse than that. Honestly, I really don't know how you can worse than that. They they did not play good last night. I mean, and to pull up that statistic for you, the last time Tom Brady had zero touchdowns and three interceptions in a game, 2006. Oh, my gosh. And he's only done it one other time out of those besides those two. That is that a... When we were five, that was when we were five years old. Yeah. That's insane. We're almost that's we're almost twenty years old, Brandon. And that last time he did that was when we were five. That's in, I mean, for one, that's incredible. Like that's talent right there. Oh yeah. But also, you can kind of make the argument: Is Tom Brady kind of starting to fall off now? Is he gonna be? He's obviously nearing the end of his career. But the question is, what year is it gonna be? Is it gonna be next year? The year after? After this year? Who knows? Yeah, and I think the the number one thing is all obviously when this game ended. All the trolls went to Twitter. Bill Belichick smiling in the Subway commercial. Like, this, he's, he's, he was so happy after watching Tom lose and whatever. But, I mean, Belichick being 2-6 and six right now at the, the Pats and Brady losing some of these bigger games with the Bucks. it just shows that those two really were the best combo for each other. They've been really good together. And it's, I think a lot of, I, I hate, like, saying, I, I hate talking about which one of them was more important because I think both of them are so so important to each other. That's why they succeeded and how they both worked with each other. Because I mean, also Bill Belichick's not used to working with a Cam Newton. He's not no. used. He's not used to it. And, he's never had a quarterback like thing, that. Bledsoe's thing, not that guy. Yeah. Brady's not that guy. Those those yeah. are the two guys he's had, and he's, was, he's never had a guy like that. Yeah, and like people, I mean, of course, Bill Belichick's probably gonna make it work. He's a coaching genius. He'll figure it out. But like. Just having that much of a aggressive change from going to Tom Brady, who's a pocket passer, who rarely ever scrambles, who rarely ever gets more than like 10, maybe 10 yards of rushing a game, to go to Cam Newton, who's more of a versatile quarterback, that's a pretty uh, big leap from those two kind of opposite ends of quarterbacks. And for him to kind of have have that good uh, that good factor that Cam brings to the game to have him kind of implement into the offense, it's a good thing. But also, you kind of got to basically change your whole offensive playbook to fit how he's going to play because sure. Cam Newton is not going to switch from just being that guy who's going to be able to rush and basically like Lamar Jackson type player to being kind of Tom Brady where he's going to send the pocket. So you obviously know that they're, they're going to be, be they're going to be butting heads every once in a while, and then that kind of uh, atmosphere that's going to happen is going to kind of disrupt the team a little bit but i mean having that switch it's 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 a blessing and a curse really for them. yeah the defense didn't play well for tampa bay offense didn't play well new orleans played fantastic and that's really the only thing you have to say and that really shows it in the score but i will say this one thing i mean 
take away what has happened around his situation and what, what's been going on in his life and the decisions he's made. Take that all out of him off the field. On the field, it was good to see Antonio Brown back in a football oh, yeah. uniform. It was, it was good to he see. Might, he might be a cancer in the locker room and just a cancer in the organization, but he's a good player. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, Bruce Arians has stated that if this doesn't work, He's going to get the boot immediately because he's already yeah, been. Yeah, they're not at, taking any second chances. No. Man. And you got You got I mean, I wanted to. I really wanted to see. A tr- I want to. I want to see a one time. I want to see them pull a formation together where they got trips to the right. You got Gronk. You got Gronk to the left side of the line of scrimmage. You got Godwin, Brown, and, tr- and Evans all in the trips formation. And I just want to see. I want to see them invoke that in the playbook. I don't know if they're going to do that. But that that to me would be awesome. If they that would be that. really cool to see. That would be that would be just kind of like a, an hey in your face look what we have type of formation. <laughs> but we'll have to see if that ends up. But I mean, Tampa Bay didn't really get off the bus. New Orleans was pretty much at the stadium five hours before the game. How that game looked. So it's a big win for New Orleans. What did, what did uh, Deion Sanders say? It's just like uh, they showed up. There's already thirty on the scoreboard, so they already like they had to, like battle back from that or whatever yeah pretty much by halftime it was like yeah let's just i mean pack it up brady had had won he's won a couple comeback games but the way that game was going how porous he was playing i don't think i didn't think it was gonna happen that was gonna be like the falcons super bowl yeah they came back from that yeah i mean we talked a little bit about the patriots they're playing tonight brandon patriots and jets pretty pretty already Known outcome of the game, Patriots most likely going to win this one. If the Jets somehow uh-huh. pull off a miracle of, <laughs> and change their mind that they're not going to want to tank for Trevor Lawrence, we're going to see what happens, Brandon. But Dude, Patriots, it. for me, are going to be the ones that are probably going to come out with a W tonight. Yeah, I mean, Travis picked the Jets on Friday. And I honestly respect the pick because the way New England's playing, it's a risk you're willing to yeah. take. I mean, if this, if the Jets, if the Jets are going to win a football game, why not do yeah. it against the Patriots I mean, who they, have struggled they so almost beat, badly? They almost beat the Bills. I mean, they, of course, lost to the Chiefs, but uh, Patriots, I feel like, is their best chance right now because they're not probably going to beat the Chargers next week. Uh, Herbert's got too much to prove. Dolphins, too, is starting to figure out his spot. If they want to win this year, this is probably one of their best their best chances to do it. This is the, the game. Of, the rest of this the season is the, game. the rest of the season's a lot against a lot of pretty good teams, so they got to kind of kick it in gear for this week. At, this week. Or today, if they even want to get some going. Yeah, they're gonna have to get it together tonight at eight fifteen. Check out that game on um I believe it's on ESPN. Yeah, ESPN, yeah, ESPN. for Monday night football. But yeah, you're you're absolutely right. If they're gonna This is this is the game for the season. If you're gonna win if you're gonna win, theoretically, looking at looking at how the schedule's playing out, this is the game you're gonna win. Because obviously they're gonna play the Patriots again at Foxborough in week seventeen, so that could be another one. But realistically, Chargers is gonna be a funky game because how Herbert and the Chargers have been playing and losing those close games, it they're just due for a blowout. It seems like so far, it, it just that's just the narrative of their season. Then you got Miami, who's been great. Ve- or Las Vegas. Then you run into Seattle, L.A. Rams, Cleveland. Mm-hmm. That's just going to be rough. They could go 0 and 16. It's completely possible. But if they're going to win tonight, could be one of those days they could do it. So mm-hmm. we'll have to stay tuned to that. But speaking of the NFL. Joe, our fantasy football teams 
both getting the W over the weekend, so pretty solid I'm starting there. to finally hit my stride. I, went, I think I went 0-3 to start this, or I went like 1-3 to start, but now I'm going to be 5-4 and four after this week. Yeah, so. and one of those being a win over myself, so salty about, but yes, it's okay. Sir. But I'm still not doing too shabby. Got the win over Kyle. That is a big game in my book, but, I mean, he, he had a... He had some guys that really kind of dudded. I mean, Jamichael Hasty was supposed to be the starter in that game against the the Packers. Did not get them any touches. He only ended up with, I believe, three yards and three catches or whatever it was. Zeke didn't have a big game like he needed to, so I can see that side. I mean, my receiving core right now looking pretty solid with Tyreek Hill and DK Metcalf's performance combining for 56 points, almost mm-hmm. 57. So really happy about that, but I'm really looking forward to it. Um, Big game. That could be decided tonight. Molly Robert statistically has a chance to win this game. She has a 75% chance she can win tonight over the pack attack. She has 87 right now with Damian Harris left to play. Again, and she's got to make up 6.22 points. All he, has to, so all, he has to do, all he has to do is just make it so that he makes the projected score and yep. she'll get the first one of the year. Yep. It is due note that Damian Harris is on the injury report, but according to the sources, he will likely play, but there's he's still got a question mark here, so be aware. I mean, you're going to have Rex Burkhead and James White there too, so if he can't get the go, they're not going to force him. They're going to go with who they got, so... Be aware for that kickoff as he's still questionable. Pro- I think we'll probably learn later later today if he's really going to go. I'm sure Schefter will be on that in an instant. But should be really interesting. Um, Cardi BB pulling out the W over Sean. Good win for him to now get over 500. Uh, Ryan Simmons and Saquads taking down poor Barrett Jones <laughs> in a pretty big blowout, you could say. Oh, my word. I mean, Corey Davis puts up a goose egg, bro. That's just brutal. <laughs> it really was brutal for Barrett. But big game for Will Fuller. Helped out Ryan there. But an upset. Travis. Travis with a big win over John Johnny Yonker that bumps him down to 7-2, and two, which makes me tied with him right now. Obviously still second with the tiebreaker, and we'll have to meet again. But that definitely helps me and Ryan out in that division as we're really trying to fight for it. So, big win for Travis. I mean, obviously, you had Teddy and McCaffrey who did some damage. And, yeah, I mean, when you're starting Tom Brady for Johnny, that's just that just capitalized on a, a subpar day from your team and just made it made it worse. So, I feel bad for him. But a lot of season left still. We're, just, we're in week nine, man. We've still got a lot of season lot left. A lot of games to play A lot of games left. left. So, playoffs will be coming around. But... Speaking of football, I mean, we love football so much. We can we'll keep, keep we'll keep we'll, it in the sport. We'll keep yeah, it in the sport. we'll keep her going. But yeah, I just wanted to get like hyped up a little bit with our <laughs> fantasy teams. Oh yeah, Michigan lost, and why we ruin we the, stunk. Why you gotta ruin the? We stunk. I gotta be frank. I have had. to be frank. We, we gotta. Okay. We can't do anything. If you're right a, right if now. you're a Michigan fan who's still defending, I was this person just a, just last week. If I tried to defend Jim Harbaugh and I tried to defend Don Brown, saying, "Oh, we, we've Dude. had the past couple of years, we've been able to do it." No, time to stop. Okay, right. fire Don Brown, fire Jim Harbaugh. We need to basically get a clean slate because when Jim Harbaugh came in, people were saying, "Oh, he's going to be this great quarterbacks coach. We're going to have the greatest quarterbacks in the whole we in the whole had college a top football." Tier quarterback. Who have we had? No one. Not Shea Patterson. 
Joe Milton, I he still he still had a chance. Joe Milton is very good. I'm not gonna count him out yet. He's very good. I'm still on the Joe Milton train. He's got something to learn. Well, who still. was it? Who was it? Wilton Spate was our first quarterback when we went to the uh, college football well, playoffs that, that first before year. Before that, like it that. was John O'Corn. You had Rudock too. Oh yeah, Jake Rudock. We haven't had a good quarterback. No. Like ever. Nope. Even when Tom Brady was here, he still wasn't regarded as the best quarterback in the, in no. the nation. No, he wasn't even a quarterback or. He's not even honestly regarded. A lot of people say Chad Henney was the best quarterback Michigan's ever had over Tom Brady because he had better statistics. So that is true. I mean, Tom Brady was just a guy that was just the the veteran on the team. He wasn't super great. He wasn't fast. But I mean, we just need to get rid. We just need to figure out what what is wrong with Don Brown and the well, defense. We need because new we, corners. Oh yeah. Well, we definitely do. But it's just like, how could we have such good defenses in the past couple of years, and then all of a sudden we just we can't beat Indiana. We can't beat Michigan State, who loses to Rutgers the week before. And don't even mention what happened to them this week. It's, oh my gosh. They got clobbered by Iowa. Not even close. I mean, there was Michigan State fans that were, like, literally, like, I I know a lot of Michigan State fans that are very frustrated after beating Michigan, coming out, and then just choking to Iowa, who have been a struggling team the last couple of of years. But this team... just what do we have to do to get a good quarterback? I don't know, that dude. That just can take over the just can take over. The, why can't we get a Justin Fields who can do whatever he wants in the field and basically get make get results just left and right? Why can't we get a Trevor Lawrence who's gonna be number one overall in the draft? Why can't we get that who can why can't we have a quarterback who can throw it seventy yards on the dot? Joe Miller can throw it seventy yards, but it's not very accurate yet. No. Why can't we just have a quarter why can't we just have a quarterback that's actually good and that can just basically take over games? I don't know. But don't put it on don't don't put it on all Joe Milton. No, it's the not running Joe game was just Garbo. terrible. I mean, we only got eight thirteen hot garbage. Thirteen rushing yards. Thirteen rushing thirteen rushing yards. Hot garbage. What is that? Thirteen rushing yards? Are you kidding me? Why That's do we like get thirteen That's like rushing the yards? That's like what you should like get like in a, in just like a drive in a single drive right. is at least thirteen rushing yards. Are you? How do we get ter- shut down that hard? That's terrible. Indiana like, may be a top ten team, this? and at the time maybe a top twenty five team, but they're not that. Their defense is not that good, uh, good enough to shut down a Michigan offense. This committee or shouldn't have been that good. Put together two fifty six against Minnesota, right? 256. And that was a big part to why we won that football game. Truth? Yeah. What was it? Charbonnet got the 72-yard run. Yep. Haskins was good. And then Milton was flushed out, and he was getting seven, eight yards literally like Every carry. easily. Because, I mean, Minnesota's defense was all over the place. And then Joe Milton's our leading rusher going into the Michigan State game. And, yes, we did have 152, but... The running backs weren't really a big part of that. Literally, Milton was the leading carrier in that game. Joe Milton is we the carrier so in that bad. game. And we have Hassan Haskins and Evans and Charbonnet. What in the what is going on with Zach Charbonnet for one? Five carries, three yards against Michigan State. Doesn't even get over ten yards yesterday. Or not yesterday, Saturday. Feels like yesterday still, because I'm still mad about it. But Dude, I don't know anymore. They had okay. Uh, I don't Indiana know had close to seventeen more minutes of uh, time of possession. They had four. They had four less penalties. They had close to forty less penalty yards, 
and we had to punt it away seven times. We were three eleven for third down efficiency. That's garbage. Mm-hmm. If we can't our, even if if our if our team can't come just have any type of success or efficiency when it comes to third down or fourth down conversions, you basically got to throw it away because you're not going to get a lot of chances to get. Yeah, you can get a first down on a first down easy, or you can get a second down that you can get ten yards off of. But it comes down to good teams how they can perform when they when their backs against the wall when it's third down and long or fourth and short when you need to get a conversion when you need to get a first down and to keep the drive alive. And when you have to when you can't just do that maybe at least five times a game like the past couple of weeks that Michigan has been not been able to do against Michigan State or this week against Indiana, you basically got to throw away the game because that's a huge part, a huge thing that you got to be able to do that you're not going to be able to perform. It was it was so frustrating seeing that. And, I mean, t- to go point on the penalties, I will say this. There was one call, I believe, in I can't, I can't remember if it was the – the third quarter, I think it was. We were starting to get it rolling again. I think we were down 24 to 14 or whatever, I think is what the drive was. And they call a very, very questionable pass interference call that should have went the other way. Indiana keeps the drive going. It was on a third and long. They get the first down. They end up scoring a touchdown. They go up by two scores. Then, basically, that that right there was like, yep, this isn't mm-hmm. gonna, this isn't going to end up because there was some there was some bad calls by the officiating. There's no I'll I'll be the one to admit it. I mean you can you can throw shade at me if you're an Indiana fan that there was some calls that did not go Michigan's way. This should have and I think that's just the reality of football. You have to get you have to be ready for it and we didn't adjust to it and we didn't we just it there's nothing there's nothing here on the there's nothing there consistently week after week and that's a problem especially for a Michigan team. We're down 38-21 to end this game. We're now one and two in the conference. We're one and two overall. Mm-hmm. We're going to drop out of the top twenty-five after being rated in the top twenty, and with we were thirteen after the big win against Minnesota, which we should have been because we played very good. But I don't know where that team is. But I'd like them to come back or whatever it needs to do to get There's that team back. Not even been able to be seen. It's it's yeah. so dumb, dude. But just hope Cade McNamara is yeah. the answer. Really, fans down in South Bend though they said to heck with the COVID rules and they rushed the field when they uh, yeah got what the, was they got the big win against Clemson that was a pretty good one. That to watch. was dumb on Notre Dame's part. I'm sorry, literally. I mean, I know you beat Clemson. I get it, but you know Notre Dame's not going to shut down for a week because of COVID yeah, with that situation. Right. All right, I don't know what they were thinking, but in the hype of the the whole game, I mean, this game was just. It was just crazy. It was a great football game. Let's oh, it, get that wrong. It, it was incredible. It was, it was incredible to watch. Amazing football game. I mean, both of, it, it went back and forth. The win probabilities going up and down. And then Clemson looks like they're going to end up winning this game after Ian Book misses the fourth down pass. And then just like, or not the fourth down pass, he ends up pretty much, yeah, it was on fourth and seven. Yeah. And then Clemson's got a 97% chance to win. And of course, we've seen the numbers this so far this year. And then. Changes around, just a crazy game. I mean, this was a this was a fantastic football game, nonetheless. I was un, I was yeah. unfortunate came enough to not la- to see yeah. all of it, but came down to let you. It's it's just it's basically what storytellers love to see in football games. Comes mm-hmm. down to overtime win. Comes down to the last touchdown. It's just back and forth. Each one's matching each other, and then at the last second, Notre Dame able to hold off Clemson and come off with a big win, 47-40. to 40. That was incredible. Ian Book, might I add, was absolutely slinging it. Mm-hmm. He, was playing he, was like, he was playing like he deserved a Heisman Trophy. Kind of the first time we've seen it all year. I mean, although they are 6-0, we talked about it a little bit off the show, Brandon, where you said he, this is kind of the first time where he's had a breakout game, where sure. he's been playing really it well. It really is. 
And I mean, you got to give all the props. I can't pronounce it. I think it's DJ Uegalele. Yeah, is that how yeah, you pronounce the pretty, last name? That's pretty close. Cool. He did actually. DJ. He did pretty well. Twenty nine for forty four, almost four hundred fifty yards in the air, two TDs. For coming off, for not having Trevor Lawrence there for the second weekend in a row, kind of having the critics on your back, especially when you're playing Boston College, to oh, go up against this big, uh, this very good top four Notre Dame team, that's just, you really can't be, uh, you can't really be too mad at him for how good he played. Yeah, I th- yeah, I think that this, this game for Notre Dame, to me, like I've had my, I mean, we've both had our concerns about Notre Dame being a top five football team. I didn't think they were, and this was the week that they they showed me something. They really did, and I mean, how this game was going, there was tide was shifting like crazy, and yeah. they kept in it against a good football team in Clemson. They started out really hot, and I think, and that kind of scared me because, of course, when a team starts out really hot, it's not going to be looking good for them. It seems like in the rest of the game, looking at some of the games we've had this year, just putting you could literally just say Atlanta Falcons and understand what I'm talking about, but. I mean, Travis Etienne on the ground was not the Travis Etienne we were expecting. But in the passing game, he definitely made up for it. And I think it was really cool to see, like, you got all these young receivers, Amari Rodgers, Cornell Powell, that really stepped up for Clemson, both of them over 130 yards receiving. It was just a really, really interesting game. And Ben um, Scourneck, who's been really the big guy in Notre Dame's passing, passing attack, he had that he had that big game against Pitt, the two t- two big TDs, and then to yesterday he was kind of absent. I mean he was four of thirty three, but I mean you got other guys like Javon McKinley that played great. Avery Davis had a really nice catch. Michael Mayer was in there too, and then Kyron Williams running for one forty. That offense looked really good, and even though their defense gave up four hundred thirty nine in the air. I mean, they still outgained Clemson. Clemson's one of the best offensive football teams oh, yeah. in the nation, if not. And the crazy part about the world, it is, is just like, the crazy thing about it is like when you look at it, how much of a difference Trevor Lawrence was going to be able to make. The, if Notre Dame probably would have lost by two touchdowns if if Trevor Lawrence was there, but it's just crazy to see how good of a player he actually is. Mm-hmm. It it really is. I think Trevor Lawrence in this game probably gonna have a different result. I mean, I'm not gonna say it was fully on DJ, and I mean Travis Etienne kind of. I don't, I don't, I don't blame Travis Etienne, but his night definitely not having his usual 60, 80 yards, mm-hmm. that definitely hurt a little bit. And I think that's something that I'm sure he's probably mad about. He's getting in the weight room today. He's going to, he's going to really get back at it, but it was a good win for Notre Dame and another good win, Florida. Whoa. That was a big game. Florida. At the time, two top 10 teams that were battling it out. I thought Georgia Ooh. was probably going to make it a little bit closer, but Florida just like was okay. Like. The heck with that. We're just going to go out ball and come out with a big win. You can ball is an understatement. They were they were fantastic offensively. And I know I said last week that Florida was overall the better offensive team. I'm I think I quoted was it Florida was the the 2017 Chiefs to the the New England Patriots is I think what the uh, yeah. as to Georgia I think that's the comparison I made and I th- it was that, that was Ge- a good comparison too Georgia is the overall better team but Florida is much better offensively and they showed it I mean they showed it five seventy one total yards yes that's insane yeah I mean ninety seven rushing that was a little bit lackluster but yeah. they're not really they're more of the team that's been able to sling it in the air for sure that's who's their Kyle Trask Kyle Trask Kyle he Trask played incredible was, he was phenomenal and I did watch most of this game and I mean for he was so efficient that offense just looks smooth I mean he's 
he's hitting so many guys open. I mean, I look at, you look at the stat sheet right here. They had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight guys with a reception above 20 yards. That's how open these guys were getting and how much they were were dominant in space. I mean, they're shaking tackles left and right. Georgia couldn't bring them down. I mean, the running game, they really didn't need to have it. Georgia outran them. I mean, they're, is it Zamir White? I believe that's how we're not yeah. He had a 75-yard run for a touchdown. That was pretty sweet. But, I mean, overall, after that, he was six carries for about 20, no, 32 yards. So, not terrible, but... I think the definite big time miss in this Georgia or in this Georgia Florida game was Georgia's quarterbacks. Stetson Bennett was very poor in the beginning of the game. He ends up throwing a, a pick. He ends up getting hurt, and then you got Dewan Mathis in there. And Dewan <laughs> Mathis looked awful. Did you see the video of the quarterbacks warming up on the Georgia sideline, and he misses a throw and it beans a ball boy right in the head? That's really what you can you say to describe that, how that's the that's yeah that's they a perfect lo- he lo- they looked that bad. I mean, Dewan Mathis, poor guy, had no idea what it seemed like what was going on. I'm sure he had. I'm sure he was competent of the situation what was going on. But there were t- he just. I mean, Florida's bringing pressure. Their corners are so aggressive. I mean, they make you make one bad throw and they'd made several all night. Makes up for the three interceptions pretty easily. It's when you got a when you got a your two quarterbacks. Playing in this football game with a 31 and an 18 QBR, you're in big time trouble. You need to really figure it out. And I think Georgia's really banking on JT Daniels being that guy in the future of transferring from USC. But I think they really need Stetson Bennett back because, I mean, obviously he had an uncharacteristic day, but Dewan Mathis looked even worse. I mean, he was just throwing the ball everywhere. It seemed like he was panicking, making bad decisions. There was one play in the fourth quarter. They were running down. It was like a, it was like a third, second and like four. He ends up not throwing the ball out of bounds when he's rushed. Mm-hmm. He just simply runs out of bounds and loses six yards. Now it's third and ten instead of third and four. That yeah. those decisions right there just made me wondering how much he was really in the game and how much he was really trying to figure out on the fly. So it was unfortunate that Georgia mm-hmm. had to lose in that magnitude because they're a really good football team. Yeah, but, if if Florida can keep us up, then they're going to be really. Really tough team to they're gonna be really scary, especially if they can kind of clean up on the defense side. But I mean, to go around the horn, BYU able to absolutely dominate against Boise State 51 17. Liberty starts off 7 0 for the first time in school Liberty, history. The Flames being able to beat Virginia Tech 38 35. Uh, Pac 12 battle, Oregon Stanford 35 14, and Coastal Carolina with a pretty uncharacteristic start of being undefeated 23 6 against South Alabama. Pretty crazy, and then another Big Coastal Ten. Carolina for the national champion. No, Natty Champs possibilities. I'm kidding. The new US. They might give new, new UCF. Is that what we're talking oh, about? I was just about to say that. And then uh, finally, the final Big Ten battle: Rutgers versus Ohio State. Pretty pretty easy uh, outcome for that one for Ohio State, 49 to 27. But Brent, mm-hmm. I think it's time to transition into everyone's favorite part of the show. Everyone's. Every, my favorite part of the show. Your favorite part of the show. All the listeners' favorite part of the show. It's Joe's fact of the day. Brandon, we're going to kind of use this as a segue into our next segment. I'm going to keep it golf-related, especially with the Masters coming up this mm-hmm. weekend. Keeping it in Augusta, uh, it's about, uh, obviously, the Masters. Magnolia Lane, which is at uh, Augusta National, it extends right to the entrance of the clubhouse. The large magnolia trees are probably the most iconic set of that um, driveway. Are you, you going to ask me about a tree question? It might It might be. Um, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> the the, dri- the driveway was uh, paved in the late 1850s, 
So how old, Brandon, are those trees on the on the driveway? How old are the trees? Um, I'll be honest. I took, a, I think I took one natural resources class in high school. So I'm not a big outdoor. Um, I don't have a lot of outdoors knowledge. I have a lot. I have an. I have some, especially about Michigan stuff. But how old are the trees on Magnolia Lane? Uh, that I mean, the fact that you pulled the as a fact to me means that they're definitely very old. So talking, so it was built in. Okay, it was paved in what? It was paved in the 1940s. 1940s. Okay. So that's, that's when it was paved. Right. So there, it was definitely there longer. I feel like, oh man, this is that it's got to be so high. And if I'm wrong, I'll look like an idiot. That's fine. It has to be to me. It's got to be like 220 years old. That I don't know why the 20 came in, but at least 200 years old. That's my guess. But I it could be more closer to 100. So I'm gonna just say 220. What the heck? But it's it's probably gonna be lower. But tell me, Joe, am I right? So of course the originals like aren't there because they were a little bit older. And um, the average magnolia lifespan is about 80 to 120. But given the circumstances in Magno- in uh, Augusta and how well they're taken care of, they're about 140, 150 years old. Wow, that's crazy. That, which is insane to see, okay. like just how good of an environment that they're holding down there. And I, it's honestly, if you've seen a picture of the driveway, it's a super, oh, it's, it's an beautiful, ama- it's an amazing setting, especially when the trees are blooming. It gives a great view right to the. Uh, um, I think I forget what the flowers are that kind of make the outline of the Masters uh, logo right by the uh, um, oh, flagpole yeah. in the center. But it's an amazing view right down the middle. It's incredible. It's probably one of the most iconic uh, sceneries in all of golf. It's incredible. But yeah, for sure. Um, using that as a segue, we'll go into the Masters and a little bit about the Houston Open. The Masters is coming up this week, Brandon. Uh, obviously, we talked about it. Bryson DeChambeau. I think you said he had an eight to one odds to win this yep. one. Uh, Tony Finau was next, and I, I forget what you said for 33 that. Thirty-three to one. Thirty-three to one. Some pretty good golf that's going to be happening. Uh, we were a little bit skeptical if it was going to, uh, if the Masters was going to even happen this year, especially since it usually happens in April. There's a little bit of skepticality. Last month, especially if you saw the pictures that um, PGA Tour kind of released, and uh, uh, if you watch Four Play Pod presented by Barstool, they kind of released a picture of what just kind of how gray and not very good the course looked. But now they got a really rare and to go. It's going to be a great, great weekend. Brandon, what are your thoughts on it? I'm looking forward to it, and I mean, we kind of went over a little bit into what we were expecting last week with Thomas, but I feel like we could have went more in depth, so that's kind of what we're doing now. But, I mean, as far as the, the holes are concerned, I mean, I know we've kind of discussed this already, kind of looking at how Houston turned out. And shout-out to um, Ortiz with the, yeah. the win over the weekend at Houston. That was a great job for him. Um, Johnson and Kepka were up there. I think I think Kepka is really a guy that you should watch out for in the Masters because he's kind of had a sluggish start. I think he's going to turn it up, and then now with that, he only go he only goes to the tournaments he thinks he can win. So yeah, and he's going to be at the Masters. So so what does that could, say about his thoughts on the on he, the tournament? Obviously, he thinks he can win. Of course. So it'll be interesting, but I think the one thing that we I know we're discussing a lot as far as me and Joe, and I know a lot of people in the golf world are. The the layout of a lot of the Masters holes, there's a lot of there's a lot of open open fours and fives. A couple of them pretty narrow and straight. There's and then there's a couple that are wider and more dog leg turns. And I think the with the way that we've seen Bryson DeChambeau swing the club this year, and how much distance he can get, the big thing is how much distance is he able going to be to be able to chop off in the in this course layout because i there's a couple of holes that there if you can get out there 
and give yourself an opportunity to get close to these dog legs to go over. Because, I mean, you're not going to have like a... There's nobody, I believe, on the on the cards in this Masters that have the ability to make crazy shots like Tiger would, for example. I mean, he's... Yeah, back in his prime, that yeah, was... Yeah, back in his prime when he would be saying, oh, 220 out, I got a dog leg, I'm going to be hitting literally a... Th- a stink, stinger... Stinger slice that's going to perfectly go yes, around and give me exactly. Great. I mean, nobody in the field, I feel like, has that ability compared to what Tiger used to have. But the other thing that can be made up for is the distance. And Bryson DeChambeau he hits the ball farther than anybody on this field. But, I mean, there's still... If he, I mean, the thing about DeChambeau is he hits so far that angles become so magnified when you're off by it. A degree, for example, that can measure to 30, 20 yards left or right. Mm-hmm. That really comes down to it. And a lot of these holes, like eyeballing 14, for example, really skinny par four, that it's not necessarily like... It's dead It's dead straight. It's, it's But it's skinny. Like, if you miss, tree, yeah, you're going you're, trees. Like, it's not going to be it's not gonna be easy, easy out if he gets that. And, it, I mean, we saw that at Wingfoot, too, when he had a couple of those drives that mm-hmm. he kind of... Lost a lapse of focus, and he had a really bad slice, a really bad uh, uh, hook. Mm-hmm. Is he going to have a couple of those? Of course, it might be a little bit more forgiving if he goes on the front nine because uh, 8, 9, and 10 are a little bit more open um, kind of at the at the beginning of the hole. But if he's able to kind of kind of make it so that he hits a long and straight like he has been lately, he'll be shaping up pretty good, but he's just got to make sure that he's laser-focused the whole weekend. Yeah, and if and I think one thing that's going to be big is, like, obviously we know that he's going to be he's going to be scoring pretty well on fours and fives, but the threes are really, I feel like, what can tell the tale because I think that's something that, obviously, his strength is not, oh, I'm, I'm going to put it four foot from the three. No, he's not, he's not no. that guy. He's a guy that's going to chop off distance, make shots easier, especially on the fours and fives. So... Who can yeah, take he'll it? He'll probably be going. He'll do the same thing where he goes driver, pitching wedge, putt for mm-hmm. Eagles on par fives, and then he has chance to if he keeps it straight. Like we've been saying, there's no telling what he can do. I mean, like I said, look back at Wingfoot when people were saying, "Oh, there's not going to be a single person that's going to yep. finish below par." Yep. He ends up finishing. I think it's like minus two or minus three or something yep, and by it. six strokes when he and giving that much uh, security that he has. If he can be able to do that, he's going to have be able to be a lot more relaxed throughout this whole weekend a lot more kind of I guess you could say just ready to play and he's that that amount of stress that he doesn't have to handle especially when it's going to come to later rounds when he's going to be up and he's going to be able to kind of just pound it as hard as he can that's going to be a big factor into the play yeah and I think a lot of those a lot of those big scenarios will be tested and if DeShambo can't capitalize there's going to be guys there that will I mean there's so many good golfers in this field. We talked about Kepka. Jason Day has been a, a very, very good golfer over the last couple of years. Ricky Fowler can pull it together mm-hmm. sometimes. Um, Justin been, Thomas is here. He's Justin been on the Thomas. number. He was number one a little bit this year already. Kevin mm-hmm. Kisner, who, I mean, is a little bit older on the tour, but he's been able to kind of play pretty well. Mm-hmm. Dustin Johnson. With it. Bubba Watson, too, the big lefty. He's going to be able to do something. Another lefty, Phil Mickelson. Phil! It's my favorite golf. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> the lefty, man. He's iconic yeah. golfer. And don't forget about Tiger. Tiger, too. never know. That's what I was going to start to bring up, too, is a lot of people are kind of counting Tiger out already, especially kind of Brooks, or not Brooks, uh, Bryson being kind of the favorite and being able to do stuff. But the thing is, Tiger Tiger at Augusta is a different breed. He's built different at Augusta. I'm just going to say that. You got to keep him out of red. 
on on Sunday. Oh yeah, you don't let him get the him Sunday red. Yeah, that's gonna be a problem. It, you, it'll be having him in a situation where he can win with the red on. There's nobody that turns it up more like Tiger does, and that'll be interesting. I mean, there's so many good golfers in this field. There really is, and I mean, the the fact is is that whoever plays the best that weekend, I mean, regard doesn't matter what Deshambo's done this season. Doesn't matter what everybody's done. Jordan Spieth, for example. He's had a pretty bad year mm-hmm. in character characteristic to how he's played in yeah, the past. He's, I think he's, he's had a bad like 140 year. or something like that right now. He's not he has not been super great. Yes. Um compared to when he was first starting out and he I think won like those what two two majors or something like that in his rookie year. That's he's not ha- he's just playing uncharacteristic cuz we know how good he's been able to play. It's just I feel like he's kind of getting lost behind all these long drive uh, golfers like Brooks Kepka, like Matthew Wolf, like Bryson mm-hmm. DeChambeau, and he can't really. He's trying to. I feel like he's just still trying to find his niche again because before he was kind of the hot shot rookie that was playing really well, that was winning tournaments. But now he's kind of like the uh, the seasoned veteran who's kind of falling falling behind a little bit. He's got to figure out what he's got to do to kind of get back into relevancy and start to start to win tournaments again. Yeah, because I mean, Colin Morikawa is really taking his place now yeah, in that, the, that hot the, shot rookie role. Guy. Yeah, so that he'll be a guy to watch too, but. Lot, lots of drivable fives on this on this Augusta course. There's gonna be there's gonna be abilities for guys like Deshambo to just grip yeah. and rip. And but got to be delicate too. There there's plenty of opportunities we've seen. Spieth on mm-hmm. the 12th. I mean, you bring up that memory, and that can turn everything around. And these yeah. threes are def- 16s a hole that you can really. You, like I mean, we saw the, we've seen so many chip ins and hole in ones on that hole. Anything can happen, especially when you're in the final three holes. Yeah. So it'll be really Gre- exciting to see. Yeah, greens are going to be a little bit tough too. Not probably not as tough as ones we've seen before. Uh, especially like like we always talk about with Wingfoot, how they had the turtle back greens. Oh yeah, basically those are terrible. like concrete. <laughs> those were rough. Um, they're a little bit easier. A lot of players say. Um, so I think that's going to be one thing to look forward to. Especially we're going to probably be able to see a lot more guys under par. Um, like we've seen kind of at the Houston Open as well. Um. It's going to be different because uh, Augusta is just a beautiful course to play at. Uh, it's very well kept. It's one of the greatest uh, courses in all of the U.S. and basically all of the world. So I'm super excited for it. Tee times have not come out yet, so yep. we'll probably go over those maybe Wednesday mm-hmm. uh, when those come out. If they come out Wednesday, I think they yep. will. Um, but, I mean, any last thoughts, Brandon? It was. It's going to be fun. Masters is going to be fun. Hopefully football tonight is fun i mean two teams look pretty rough, hopefully everything's just fun everything will be fun this week i mean we had to, we need some fun after watching detroit and michigan on over the weekend so it'll be very interesting but thank you guys for tuning into the mvsp check us out on twitter at the mvsp check out bulldog radio thank you for them for making this possible check out for the rso for yourself we even have a meeting tonight if you want to show up 6 30 on zoom check us out so till next time joe good day in the office always good day in the studio take care everybody